I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Our holiday feature, yes, Smart Garden Show every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour welcoming your lawn and garden questions uh, the whole hour. Uh, and Mary Meyer is back with us today. Mary, good morning. Good to see you again. Great to be here. Yes, uh, happy and, Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> and for those folks that are new to the show, thank you for uh, checking us out. Mary Meyer is uh, a faculty member of the Horticultural Science Faculty and Extension Horticulturist at the University of Minnesota. And uh, we always get a lot of help. And as you know, Mary, we get tons of text and a lot of uh, phone calls. Every yes, week. people are out and gardening, and it's full steam ahead because Memorial Day is our uh, chance of frost is pretty much over. Hopefully, we won't yeah. have any more of that, and so all the warm season vegetables can be planted. And so. the garden centers are busy. Yes, yes, it's wonderful to go in the garden centers, and the uh, Miss Kim lilacs are blooming. People wonder, what is that wonderful fragrance in the great? air now? Yeah, it's a beautiful lilac that's uh, especially fragrant. At the Arboretum, the Northern Lights azaleas are blooming. That's spicy fragrance to them. So perfect day to take a walk at the Arboretum. We'll mention that too. And you know what else? And I know uh, so many folks uh, enjoy the uh, all the work you guys do uh, on your website. Oh, yes. What's really great information. Right. What, is the, what is the website? For Extension.umn.edu. We have just started um, a new <laughs> emphasis on our uh, food crops and vegetables. So we're getting a lot right. of new pages up on individual specific vegetables, how to grow beets, how to grow asparagus, uh, lettuce, all the all the different crops. So there's a lot of people are interested in growing food, and you don't have to have a, uh, a big backyard to do this. You can try a few things in a container. And yeah. as a matter of fact, that's very low risk, low work, low risk. Uh, go to the garden center, get a couple of named uh, varieties. Uh, you know, I certainly have my favorites with uh, tomato varieties. Varieties and mm-hmm. so on that I like, but um, yes, it's it's a, a good time to try that. Herbs are very very easy, and uh, because we're eating the leafy part of herbs, we don't have to wait so long for yeah. them to produce a fruit. Good so point. yeah, you can grow a lot of things on a, a patio with a very very little space. The the biggest requirement for vegetables and herbs is full sun. Yeah, that's that's the. the that's the big requirement. Yep. yep. Well, I'll tell you what. We require no other knowledge except the, you can call uh, the, the, the phone number or send, uh, send us a text. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now's your chance. As I said, we tend to get really busy this hour. 651-989-9226. We've cleared all the lines. If you want to fill them, now is your chance. 651-989-9226 to ask Mary Meyer 
your lawn or garden question. If you prefer text, we get those too, 81807. Here is one uh, text, uh, Mary. What is the what is recommended the recommended way to rid your garden areas of grass when it's intertwined between perennials such as vinca vine? Well, uh, hand weeding is a lot of what uh, we do to get rid of that. Um, if the grass often is quack grass, and quack grass is one of the most difficult perennial weeds. Um, there are, uh, of course, total kill herbicides like Roundup or glyphosate that you can very carefully put on that green growing grass, but you can't get any of that chemical on the perennials that you really like. So sometimes you can cover them good perennials up with buckets and then go in there and use uh, uh, a swab or something like a paintbrush that has a smaller surface area if you do use a chemical. Um, hand weeding uh, and getting as much of that root system as you can is another alternative. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a lot of work when the quack grass is in your perennial beds. I guess. Labor of love. Labor of love. And, and the, the longer you let it go, the worse it is. So at some point, if you've got as much grass as you do perennials, you should really consider digging out the perennials and removing the quackgrass root system, if, if that's practical, and then killing all the quackgrass that's there and then starting, oh, put your perennials back in. Very good. 651-989-9226. Text, if that's easier, 81807. Let's go to the phones, Mary. Uh, Louise is calling from Crystal. Louise, you're on CCO with Mary. Yes, good morning. Um, well, Good morning. I um, have a question about lilacs Mm -hmm. and a Japanese lilac tree. If um, are we supposed to remove those spent flowers when they're done blooming? Uh, You don't have to do that. That's uh, pretty impractical for the big lilac tree, which is a small tree, and most of us can't reach those. No, you don't need to do that. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. That's good news. But the the bush, you should. Um, I mean, you you don't you don't have to do that even on, on the lilac shrubs. Oh. Um, the lilacs are a big, tough plant. Uh, they have a large root system. I was actually looking at the lilacs planted along. Um, uh, the 394 as I was coming in uh, this morning because they're, they do really well in tough situations. So mm. lilacs are often oh, planted good to along know. the highway. So you, you don't really don't have to worry about taking off the uh, spent blooms. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Louise. Appreciate that. And Louise leaves that line open at 651-989-9226. A similar text, when to trim a lilac and how much can I trim off? The best time to prune lilacs is just after they flower. So right now for the big uh, traditional lilacs, they've just finished blooming. You can cut lilacs a lot. Uh, You can actually cut lilacs totally back down to the ground again. And if the plant is healthy, it will rejuvenate and grow. Um, You don't normally have to do that. Uh, You can take off a third of the stems all the way down to the base. Some of the tips you can cut back by a third. But right now is the, the time to do that just after they finish blooming. After they bloom. Right. 
651-989-9226. I want to mention that uh, our By the Yard uh, furniture company, By the Yard, that CCO Land Company, is the proud sponsor of this uh, show. We appreciate that. We'll talk about that great product uh, as we move along this hour. This is our Smart Garden Show on a 3 WCCO. If you have a uh, question, you can do it by phone, like Jeannie is calling from Montgomery. Go ahead, Jeannie. Good morning. Hey, good morning. See, I've got um, some third-year nine barks that have the real deep burgundy-colored leaves, and they're about three, four feet tall now. And all of a sudden, they've got this white powder all over them, even on the flowers. What, what is this? I think that's powdery mildew. Uh, that's a fungal disease that, uh, unfortunately, nine bark seems quite susceptible to that. And oftentimes we see that on the soft, early new growth that comes out this time of year. So um, it's not a fatal disease, but it certainly does disfigure and um, can set young plants back. Now, what I'm going to recommend to you may not be practical, but if if the if there's not a lot of powdery mildew covering the plant and it's just on certain shoots, I would cut those off, bury those in your compost pile, or or put them into the trash, uh, bury them in an area not near the other nine barks as well. So if that's not practical. Um, there are some preventative sprays you can do for powdery mildew, but otherwise, if you can improve the air circulation, uh, consider the spacing that the plants are so there's better circulation. Uh, but it's usually not fatal. So I'd try some uh, prune out the worst parts. All right. Very good. Mary, we have to take a quick break here. We have more callers and texters to take care of to help out this morning on CCO Smart Garden Show, so stay with us. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830WCCO. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping our listeners out. Mary, as usual, uh, callers and texters. A bunch of them. So let, let's get back to it. See yes. who's been uh, who's been waiting to do. Uh, Bruce is calling from Stockholm, Wisconsin. Uh, Bruce, you, uh, thanks for waiting. You're on CCO. Hey, good morning. Morning. I have a I have a winter question. Uh, I go started going south for the winter, mm-hmm. and I used to prune my apple and and uh, plum trees here. And I know you're supposed to prune them in February and March, but I'm not here December through the end of March. When is the best time to prune the trees if, if it's got to be a spring, summer, or fall project? So I do it the first day you get back in um, at the end of March, mm-hmm. early April. Okay. Right. I, I, I would do it then. Okay. Good question. Yeah, late, late winter, early spring. Very good. Hope that helped. Uh, Anne in Minneapolis has uh, been waiting. Go ahead, Anne. Thank you. I'd like to know what the best time is to uh, plant my zinnia seeds. Is it too late now? No, it's not too late. It's perfect timing. Um, the zinnias, uh, like warm conditions, warm weather, they germinate quickly and uh, love the heat of the summer. So perfect timing now for zinnias. Zinnias was our number one flower that was attracted by uh, pollinators um, in the Master Gardener mm. trials last year. So there are a number of different varieties of zinnias. That information is up online, and there are a lot of zinnias, but uh, they are pretty much a guaranteed, especially for butterflies. Great. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. All right. Good information. Thanks, Ann. 
Uh, Trumpet vines, Texter says. Do you prune off the dead wood not producing new growth? Yes, I would do that. Uh, Trumpet vine is a big, aggressive vine, and um, yes, uh, you can do quite a bit of pruning on that, but it's also great for uh, hummingbirds. So we see a lot of hummingbirds uh, uh, whenever the uh, uh, flowers are out on trumpet vine. So I hope that you see those. We were talking about uh, growing uh, in containers when we started the show. A texter says, can you grow potatoes in a pot rather than in the ground? Yes, you can do this. As a matter of fact, in England, when I was teaching students over in England in uh, school gardens, uh, the English have a contest for who can make get the most potatoes from <laughs> containers. And they were even supplying the containers to school, and they had these amazing plastic bags that mm. they were using for containers. So you can imagine that mailing and shipping these bags out to students. So it's kind of like a very uh, tough reinforced plastic bag that they had. Uh, there were some slits in the sides of the bag where you could even plant the, toma- plant the potato on the sides. But the whole idea was to fill this with compost, potting soil, and then, yes, you can do that. How so, about that? Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. I should say. Thanks for the text. The text number, by the way, is 81807. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Go to Falcon Heights. Gunta is there. Gunta, you're on CCO. Good morning. Morning. I have a lilac that's it's about 10 feet tall. One uh, trunk of the tree is about three inches in diameter. The other one's about two. How deep a uh, root system would they have? A uh, 10-foot-tall lilac, yes. it's going to have a root system that uh, is, is mostly within the, within the top two or three feet of soil. So it's going to extend out uh, 10 feet easily uh, on each side of the trunk, and most of the roots will be in the top uh, two or three feet. All right. Very good. I think uh, she's going to move it. I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was a, a question before the real, the action yep. that's going to happen. Let's see how right. much digging I have to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go to River Falls. Sue is there. Sue, you are on CCO with Mary. Hello. What? I have six tea roses that I planted last fall, um, and I didn't trim them at all last fall. Do I need to trim them now? And then I have a, a question about spraying them with a fungicide. And I have straw around all of them right now. Will that help to not have to spray them with fungicide? Yes, hopefully hopefully the straw mulch will help to uh, keep down uh, the splashing rain and so on for uh, fungal diseases, black spot, and uh, powdery mildew. Uh, tea roses are the least hardy, if I heard you correctly, that's what you have. And um, pruning is really only required to remove the dead wood. On those, so this time of year, you'll be able to see where the leaves have come out, and what wood is dead, and what wood's alive. So, you only need to prune off uh, what is dead, and then um, the the fungicides uh, that are preventative on the tea roses. So, applying those before the actual uh, fungal diseases come out is a good idea. But I would make certain that you know what diseases you have before you start indiscriminately spraying. So try to identify the diseases. We've got lots of information on rose diseases and fungal diseases on the extension.umn.edu website. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, Sue. And uh, Sue leaves that line open if you want to phone in your lawn or garden question for Mary. And that number is 651-989-9226. 
Or if you like to text, and we're going to grab some more text messages when we come back. 81807. Hang on, we have another half hour of the show to go. It's a Smart Garden Show here on the holiday weekend. 63 degrees on CCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of CCO's Smart Garden Show, sponsored by our good friends down near Jordan, Minnesota, by the yard outdoor furniture that make the best patio furniture your money can buy. Mary Myers with us from University of Minnesota, helping us out uh, both uh, by text and by phone. Mary, and a reminder, uh, this would be uh, Memorial Day weekend, any weekend, but to get to the Arboretum. Oh, yes. It's what a beautiful now, right? So many things are blooming. And as I said, the, the azaleas with their beautiful fragrance, uh, lilacs, the main lilacs are just finishing. Lots of the uh, later lilacs, Miss Kim, are blooming now. Many of the early perennials are blooming. We've changed over the uh, tulips. Uh, the tulips are out of the main annual bed, and the citrus-colored tropical annuals are being planted. They're probably just finishing up. Uh, Those are all in now, so it's great to see those, but wonderful place to walk around and get ideas for your own garden uh, landscaping. You can see what's going in at the home demo garden for vegetables. Uh, You can walk the Bailey Shrub Walk and pick out shrubs for your uh, landscape. Look at the small trees. So lots of great ideas. Great ideas is right. Right. The new exhibition on tree houses opens today. Oh, today? Today, yes. So they were just being installed, just finishing those up, and that's along with the kaleidoscopes, which are uh, another fun thing to look at at the Arboretum. You have family and or friends uh, coming in for the weekend. Uh, I suggest a trip uh, out Highway 5 yes. to 41. Highway just west of 5 and 41. Yeah. There's a big sign there on the south side. So wonderful day, wonderful weekend to yep. walk at the Arboretum. Absolutely. Back to the phones we go. Paul is calling from Slayton with a question. Paul, Mary's listening. Yes. How do you get rid of earwigs in a vegetable garden? Um, earwigs are tough. Uh, earwigs do uh, one of the greatest jobs of hiding of any insect <laughs> I know of because they're fairly large, but they can really hide uh, in uh, a garden. So there are insecticides labeled for uh, earwigs. I would urge you to read the label directions closely on those so that you don't interfere with any other pollinators or timing as far as when you're eating the crops. But uh, And make sure that the specific crop you have is listed on the container. So there's some pyrethrums you can use. Those are the le- less toxic and other uh, more toxic pesticides. Mm-hmm. But reading the label, there are uh, several uh, chemicals labeled for earwig control. Okay. And, uh, Mary, there's a uh, text that could, it, it's uh, jumped around to two or three different places. I'll see if I can piece the paragraphs together. Hi, I had a shrub rose that was beautiful and hardy that did not make it through the winter in 2015, 2016 and was dead. Now, as I was planning on digging up the dead clump. It hmm. sprouted. It sprouted. Yes, yes. you're reading. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, 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 what do I do uh, without killing the new growth? How do, how do I work around this? How do I remove the dead? Well, you can cut down to the base any of those old dead canes, but it's amazing those shrub roses will do this. I had some John Davis. I was sure were dead. I was going to take those out, and about the same thing happened. I go in there with my shovel. I look <laughs> you around, knew what I was and gonna say. here is a foot or two of new growth coming from buried down at the base. So you really just ha- kind of have to make a decision. It takes a little bit longer now because a plant isn't as big and doesn't have canes on it. 
But if you liked that um, variety that you had, um, yeah, just leave it there and see how it does. It's amazing how they can shoot up again from the roots. <laughs> All right, back to the phones we go. Mary is calling from uh, Minneapolis. Mary, you're on with Mary. Yes, thank you. Love the program. Thank you. Mary, I have some gorgeous hostas, you know, two feet across, beautifully shaped. And I would like to divide some of them. And because they're so pretty, I say, oh, it's going to ruin the shape. Or what? Uh, talk a little bit about how to divide them. Well, hostas are really tough. It sounds like you have some of the big ones. Boy, there's a beautiful one called Sum and Substance. And uh, Sun and Substance likes a little bit more sun, but it has gigantic leaves. And I'm fortunate to have one of those. And yes, you hardly want to take a shovel to this because they do look so nice. But hostas are very, very tough. So I would encourage you to go. You can go in from the side with a shovel, part the leaves, uh, carefully put a, a sharp spade or shovel into the clump. And you don't need to take out a lot of it, but you want to make sure that you're getting some of the crown or the root shoot junction that you actually, you don't want to just come out with leaves. You need to come out with some roots as well. So you need to go in like maybe four to six inches into the clump with a spade and, um, have a strong person with you that may can cut down one or two uh, with one or two um, uh, um, um, impressions of that that shovel. Uh, make those cuts, and then so you take off from the side. Take it off from the side. Get as much roots around the outside of the clump as you can, and then uh, just plant that one clump. If it's really big and you can spare the time and you've got a big chunk, you could you could take the thing take the existing plant and cut it in half. And then you can maybe quarter what you bring out or cut that in half. But if you really don't want to hurt it, just take one chunk out and plant that. Okay, very good. A text uh, related uh, says this, I have a common hosta unknown name and a couple of areas of my yard in one area Near the concrete steps, they've all have brown spots with holes in them, not seeing any slugs and not affecting all the hostas. Anything I need to treat for? Probably you don't need to treat for that. Um, I, I'm wondering if this is related to the cold that we had mm. earlier this year because some plants like hosta with their foliage really are not used to freezing temperatures or cold temperatures. Some came out and then had crinkly leaves develop or deformities because of the cold weather. So I'm wondering if maybe that's what happened. But I uh, keep inspecting them, and unless you can find specific insects on there, hostas rarely have uh, pests other than the slugs which uh, their damage is pretty uh, telltale. Other than slugs, uh, we don't normally see pests on hosta. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to beautiful Lindstrom, Minnesota. Tony is there. Hi, Tony. Yes. Good morning. Morning. Um, I had a couple of, or about a couple of hydrangean bushes, and they're in the pots, but now I bought them like a month and a half ago, the beautiful flowers they're kind of all dead and i'm going to plant them in the ground do i can i cut them off yes you can cut you can cut off those flowers that have already bloomed 
Sometimes we get uh, plants here in Minnesota that have been grown in California. There's nothing wrong with that, but they are way ahead of us. So we see this at this time of year in the garden center. And yes, cut, cut the dead blooms off. Depending on the type of hydrangea, they might bloom again this year or maybe not till next year. All right. Thanks, Tony. Jerry is calling from Adamidi with uh, a lawn question, I think. Go ahead, Jerry. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. This is a lawn question. I've got moss overtaking my lawn in a lot of places. In some places, it's really, really heavy, more, more moss than grass. I'd like to know how I can kill it off. Well, you can get rid of moss by tilling and, and removing it. Uh, and any little piece of moss that you leave there can actually be the potential to start moss regrowing again. So you want to try to scrape and remove as much as possible. Improve aeration and improve drainage in that site. So aerating, making sure it's not standing water. Moss often grows where there's poor nutrients or shade. So nutrients you can improve by getting a soil test, making sure that you have enough nutrients in there for the grass to grow. Shade is much more difficult to control because if you're not willing to cut down trees, you're, you're best off with a shady lawn mix. The fine fescues are will tolerate lower nutrients and shady conditions. But it's pretty much an annual battle when you have a situation where the environment is better for moss than grass. Yeah, and I think you guys have said, too, that compact soil. Compacted uh, soil yeah. can be another thing. So remove the moss, uh, do the aeration, uh, use that fine fescue, uh, shady lawn mix. Uh, but it, it, if you can't really improve the environmental conditions, you could have an annual uh, yep. job. The texter says this, Mary, does tilling help get rid of quack grass or does it just break up the roots and cause it to spread more? Uh, it often, if you're only tilling, um, that's really not a control mechanism for quackgrass. Now, if you mow quackgrass, uh, we don't have quackgrass too often in short grass. So two, three-inch tall lawn grass, you're not going to, quack is going to die out with that because quack likes it taller and doesn't do well with mowing. But tilling and tilling alone will never control quackgrass. This text is a two parts, Mary. When is the best time to transplant bleeding hearts? That's one. You know, it's when they're totally dormant. Now, bleeding hearts are beautiful right now. They're just finishing blooming. They actually are a spring ephemeral. The whole top on this plant is going to die and disappear. And that's normal. But that's about the time you should be digging it up Mm. and transplanting it. So I would put a couple of flags in around this plant to mark it. And when the foliage is getting yellow and then brown and and dead, you can dig the plant and put it where you want to then. So that's going to be in about a month. Mm, Okay. Second part of the text says this. Also, we found we have anise root blooming in our garden near our snake root. What can you tell me about anise root? Anise root. It's in the Umbelliferaceae family, okay. <laughs> Apaceae family. Uh, I have to really, anise root. So that to me is kind of a generic common name for anything in the, uh, I mean, could this person actually have fennel? 
which is oh. what we buy in this store, oh, okay. and that is anise root because that's another name for fennel. Oh. The anise plant tastes like licorice. We love this in salads and so on. Well, this plant's not hardy for us in Minnesota. It's actually kind of a weed in California really? where the climate is mild. So, yeah, so, okay, we have to go back to the basics here. What plant do you really have? We have to figure out what plant you have. So you can, if you take a picture of it, you can email it into the Ask a Master Gardener line. Uh, use the resources that we have in the extension website, maybe to f- determine what it is. It's a good idea. Yeah, I can look up anise uh, root. Also, you know, Google it and look for images and see if it matches what you have. So you figure out exactly what it is. What did this person want to do with anise root? Move it. No, I can't no, they, remember. They just no, actually they just were wondering about what can you tell me about it. They uh, they said they we found we have anise root blooming in our garden near our snake root. Yeah. What can you tell me about anise root? So I tell you, we do. It's you, in you, the umbelliferaceae. <laughs> that's all I can so, say at so this start, point. Well, I'll we'll look it up. We'll yeah. look it up. Maybe we but can again, give you an uh, answer. Another for our listeners uh, to to check out the, the yeah, university the, website. The university website exactly. Exactly. Extension.umn.edu. Right, right, yes, and, and check it out. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break here. Uh, we've got uh, uh, more show to come, so those folks on the line, stay uh, stay with us, and the textures we're going to pick up on yours as well. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota with us. And uh, Mary, as usual, a lot of callers, many textures as well. Did you have a follow-up on that anise root? Oh, the anise root is uh, a perennial, uh, I I hesitate to say it's a native wildflower in Minnesota. It's native to Illinois. I'm not sure about Minnesota. So this caller, um, it is in the same family as anise and fennel. When you crush the foliage, it has that anise smell. So it does not have a bulb or anything like that. It has a white flower. Good for woodland settings and not um, invasive or a problem. But the identification of it is kind of tricky. It can look a lot like a lot like many other plants. So mm. uh, I would urge the caller to make sure that is what they have. And then, um, yeah, another wild t- wildflower. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, Bill and Waverly's on the phone with a question. Bill, Mary's listening. Hi, Mary. Good morning. I got an apple tree, and last year. It had all these orange spots on the leaves, and all the fruit turned to black toppings. <laughs> I was just wondering what the problem with, with that would be. Thank you. Yes, the orange orange spots are probably, it could be rust, uh, the cedar apple rust. Uh, apple is the alternate host for cedar apple rust, and uh, that is a fungal disease that uh, we see it. Uh, exhibit itself more on the cedar tree than we do on the apple. So understanding that and the uh, the life cycle, that's pretty complicated. It could be apple scab as well when you talk about black uh, discoloration. We see a lot of apple scabs. So the preventative sprays with fungicides are the way to control that. Um, this time of year at the Arboretum and the apples, we've already started and been spraying those. Um, so you need to, to use one of the um, home orchard sprays, and uh, those are preventative sprays put on a couple of times a year. 
It isn't a hundred percent requirement that you do that. Uh, if you have a high tolerance for some apples that have dimples or some disease, but it sounds like you may have a situation where you would benefit from spraying. Also, sanitation is very, very important in uh, cleaning up around the trees. Okay, very good. Uh, let's uh, talk to Sharon, who's calling from Eden Prairie with a question. Go ahead, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Um, when is the best time to trim the boxwood, a global arborvitae, and the shrub yew? Uh, all, yes, all three of those. I was writing down to make sure. I, I didn't know how many more you were going to come on with, Sharon. Um, all three of those uh, you can prune now. Now, I usually try to only prune my boxwood once a year. And so I, I usually do that a little bit later, around the 15th of June, <clears throat> excuse me, is when I try that. The use and the arborvitae, you can do those right now. Speaking of boxwood, I saw an earlier text that said, what kind of fertilizer uh, is good for boxwood? Pretty much an all-purpose fertilizer. Uh, Boxwood needs nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, the three main elements. We really recommend you get a soil test. Uh, You may only need to really need nitrogen added in Minnesota because we do have high phosphorus soils, and high potassium is not that uncommon. So it might be you need something more like a lawn fertilizer uh, with a higher nitrogen. But there again, a soil test is a good uh, way to go. Very good. Mary is calling from Belle Plain with a question. Mary, you're on CCO. Hi, Mary. Um, love your show. I have a fire and ice hydrangea and a hydrangea red sensation, and I just bought them this spring. So what kind of fertilizer and uh, mulching? Should I mulch it in the fall before the winter so it's kind of covered and protected from, you know, the winter cold? So, um those two questions about the hydrangeas, what kind of fertilizer? Does it like acid soil or what? Uh, hydrangeas are not as picky. I believe both fire and ice and red sensation um, are not going to be the uh, similar to the, um, oh, the, um, the shorter one that's so popular. I'll think of that in a minute. I think you're in good shape with these as far as hardiness. Fertilizer is not usually a limiting factor the first year. Usually it's watering and just getting the roots established. But there again, I would recommend a soil test. Hydrangeas are not acid-loving plants like um, the rhododendrons or azaleas that we have. And uh, the other idea about mulching, mulching is a good idea that keeps down the weeds around your hydrangeas, keeps you from tilling and destroying any of the roots. So, yes, I would recommend mulching. They don't need uh, very much winter uh, protection. Uh, so um, I'm not so, so concerned about mulching as far as covering them up, but mulching is good for weed control. We have about 60 seconds to go, and I apologize to callers. We didn't get all. We almost got all. I think we got all but Great. one. Uh, but a texter wants to know, when does the program, the Kaleidoscope Exhibit at the Arboretum, end? you know offhand? Uh, I think it's September. Oh, I, so they I, have yeah, time. Yeah, I, yeah. Pretty, pretty sure that's all summer long. I think we'll be changing out some of the flowers that are in the Kaleidoscope Exhibits, but it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. Uh, their Kaleidoscopes 
are viewing different plants in containers, and their their kaleidoscopes are at different heights, so they're great height for a three-year-old kid uh-huh. and, uh, you know, us as adults, of course. Well, for those that uh, haven't checked out the university uh, website, what is that information? Extension.umn.edu and click on Garden. And if you want to head to the Arboretum, we urge you to do yes, that. Yes, beautiful time to take a walk at the Arboretum, see the flowers blooming. And the intersection again, Mary, for that Just location? Just west of 41 and 5. Excellent. West of the city. Thanks for all your help as usual, Mary. Our, my pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.